Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel Labrizzi. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. That's it. That's the whole show today. We we got nothing for you. No, uh, I'm not going to let that one linger because we'll really actually go off the rails doing a bit. Uh, we have <laughs> a little bit of news. Uh, Boom Studios announced uh, they are doing a. This is a one shot, right? Uh, Magic Planeswalkers Noble. Uh, yeah, 40 page one shot. Um, about Jace and Frasca and Karn. The blurb says and Ral, but then the cover shows Kaido, so I don't know what's correct. One of them. Maybe both of them. <laughs> Who knows? It's either Ral or Kaido, or maybe both. I'm not sure. Uh, we are also. I guess when this when this series will be this week, whatever first week of April, I think is uh, when issue twenty five of the main storyline comes out. Yep, I think yeah, I think it's tomorrow as of day of release. They come out on Wednesday, Chris. I think it's two days from the day of release. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's tying up this little uh, mini arc. Um, so in the series, definitely. And the series, maybe. No, it's not. It's uh, going to come back. It's fine. They, they it's tweeted fine. series finale. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Oh, the Boom comics have been so good. And I'm going to be really upset if they, like, actually just kind of, like, quietly kill them off. They were the perfect alternative to the main story. And especially showcasing Planeswalkers while they were being Phyrexianized and also lesser known Planeswalkers. Or maybe not at all known planeswalkers, depending on your definition of story appearances. People know Bosri Cat. Oh, I was talking. Oh, yeah, Am- Aminatu and Grist got their own little um, features. Aminatu playing prominent role in the current arc. But 25, it's been going for two years at this point. Um, hopefully, more spinoffs. Yeah, we should have Jed back on at some point. Yes. If this is really the end, we should have him back on to do like a retrospective. That would be cool. We could also invite uh, Rich on, who wrote the story for this five Rich issue. Yep. yep. We'll reach out. We'll see. We'll yeah. talk. We'll get our people to talk this to is, their people. This is brainstorming live on the <laughs> podcast because um, I have ADHD. Anyway, we're not here to talk about comics for the whole episode, though. We don't even we like comics. Some. We were joking. We don't even like comics. We were joking. I. <laughs> I'm pretty sure within the last 24 hours, I have tweeted out Big Barda colon three. So actually, I like comics, uh, by the way. Um, I don't have multiple series by Gerard Way sitting on my floor in a pile to read right now. Not like comics. I also like Magic Story, though. And we have four more March of the Machine stories or so, I'm told, to talk about because I was not here last week. Uh, So... Uh, we have episodes uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 by K. Arsenal Rivera, who has been uh, been doing a phenomenal job with these. I really enjoyed the stories for the set. It's been really nice having twice as many stories for the set. And um, I don't remember who was going to do which stories. Uh, we haven't decided. If you want to do seven, I'll do nine, and then you can do ten, or however. We can make it work. It's fine. Uh, I've been talking a lot in this intro, Chris. Why don't you take episode seven? Sure. My gifts to you. Yeah. Well, you know, I did episode six, so I'm just kind of, like, carrying over. Um, yeah, there was segue. Yeah. The, I know I'm... it. All part of the plan. <laughs> uh, okay. So, like, we left off episode six. Uh, Elspeth became an angel. Um I guess spoiler alert, because that happens technically in the very beginning of episode seven. But uh, it's heavily hinted that she's about to be uh, angelified in episode six. Um, But episode seven actually starts with Karn, who uh, is um, sad. I think that's like just Karn's normal state of being in story. He's just often very sad uh, and largely because he's made a lot of uh, mistakes in his life. And he's thinking about those. He's thinking about the fact that like, uh, this is all kind of his fault, um, and that he told everyone not to follow him to Phyrexia, and that people still did, and Vincer saved his life. And there's a lot of thoughts here about Vincer, and they're very sweet, and I like them. Uh, but he's kind of strapped to this, like, anti-planeswalking slab, like the one that uh, he was slapped, you know, strapped to at the 
during the the bro story that we had um and uh norn is just kind of like purposefully like needling him and like tormenting him and calling him false patriarch and like asking him rhetorical questions and then demanding why he doesn't answer the rhetorical questions because norn is just a little she's not little she's actually very tall but norn's kind of mean uh and karn is very tired and then Jingataxius is about to just strike cough and kill him probably uh and then we have you know in the distance you hear the immigrant song by led zeppelin playing and then uh elspeth flies in and by that i mean just kind of materializes there with her sword out <laughs> and stops Jingataxius. uh and then we have the beginning of like the battle for the seed core as archangel elspeth terrell uh heals up chandra and cough paying absolutely no attention to Elish Norn, who was just like screaming and shrieking at her and like throwing parts of her throne at her, which is actually like really funny. Uh, Elish Norn is making no effort to like not kill other Phyrexians or hurt other Phyrexians during this time. Um, She even like breaks off a piece of Warrenclex's horn and throws it at Elspeth. And then like Jin Gataxis is like, hey, uh, you should leave. And Norn starts choking him. Like, she's just like, no, uh, this is, she's really obsessed with fighting Elspeth. Um, which is great because Koth and Malira get to run off and save Karn. And Chandra scoops up Rin and uh, starts running towards the tree. But uh, there is a Nyssa in the way. And uh, that's going to get resolved in uh, the next story instead of this one. Um, because Elspeth and Elish Norn face off and they start fighting and Norn like grabs Elspeth out of the air. And you're reminded that she's like 10 feet tall or something. Um, she's very big. And she's like just holding yeah. Elspeth upside down. And it's just like, ah, you should join Phyrexia. You should become like you think that this is what you want, but this is not it. And you are all just wrong and et cetera, et cetera, just Elish Norn stuff. Uh, and Elspeth realizes like, this is, this is all wrong that Norn has this idea of what is like a perfect unified future. And she just doesn't understand it at all. She doesn't know what it means for like people to come together. And that's especially true because she is also not like cooperating with even her, her own praetors. Um, so Elish Norn and Elspeth are having a little fight and then Elspeth, uh, starts sort of needling Elish Norn and is like, Hey, you are, you are a problem. And, uh, Elish Norn gets really angry and, and breaks her, her typical Royal we, um, Elspeth points out that Elish Norn wants people to worship her, not Phyrexia. And Elish Norn just like screams at her and shouts, I hate you, which is just the first time Elish Norn has used I, I think. And like, yes, the whole story. She mm-hmm. she's finally speaking from her own individual self. Uh, and then uh, that's kind of like the end of the episode, because Elspeth is uh, joins up with the rest of the forces to fight the Phyrexians uh, as the battle commences. Yeah, the. um Elspeth tries to do the we're not so different you and I speech and Elish Norn does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Elish Norn does. They both start with E. They're both rated <laughs> yeah. E for everyone. Uh, I think that was probably intentional in some ways. Like maybe it I wasn't, but I, I think there's something about the fact that Elspeth and Elish are very similar. Anyways. Anyway. Yeah. Elish Norn tries to do the we're not so different you and I speech and Elspeth is like, well, you kind of have a point, sure. Except that you're full of shit. You don't actually want <laughs> unity. You don't actually want these things. You just want to be in control and dominate the universe and the multiverse. Elishnorn is like, no, you're wrong. And then gets baited into using a singular personal pronoun for herself. Um, yeah, that that is... So one of the things I really like is when a character has a really unique quirk in their speech like doesn't use contractions and or and then like at one point uses a contraction because then that becomes important uh and so elish norn has historically spoken in a uh oral pronouns using you know we and us uh because she sees herself as this paragon of unity of phyrexia she is phyrexia all is one we are together and and 
the shattering of that is like it's like Ashiok's little gift to Elspeth. Because remember, yeah. <laughs> last year in Garden of Flesh, Ashiok seeded the nightmares of Elspeth in Elish Norn, and part of what makes Norn so tunnel visioned in this story is those nightmares still lingering in her mind. Uh, so really, if anyone saved the multiverse, it's Ashiok. Never forget. <laughs> Well, it's yeah, it's like the first thing Elish Norn does when Elspeth shows up is, is say you were not meant to trouble us anymore because she thought that like she and it's funny because Elspeth hasn't really troubled them like she was there for like the botched one strike team. But like Elish Norn didn't care about that. Like the trouble that Elish Norn is referring to there is her own fear. She thought she'd done everything she could to eliminate that fear. And uh, turns out she didn't account for, uh, like, multi-planar angel Sarah stuff. Which, granted, I don't think any of us did either. <laughs> you ready for story eight? Yeah. Huh? Episode eight is called Run and Eight. Um, Run is not happy with the state of things, but she's got one job, no tree to carry her, no legs. Um, <laughs> so... Chandra has to carry her to Realmbreaker so that she can latch to the tree. But um, there is a single problem in the way, and that is completed Nyssa standing there and isn't going to let Ren or Chandra pass. Um, yeah, uh, Malira gets a gut shot from some vines. Um, Nyssa and Chandra have a friendly chat. Uh, Nyssa continually trying to convince Chandra that um, this is a possibility while also, you know, insulting her for trying to resist Phyrexia and trying to resist her and that they could just be happy together if they just both become one. Um, but the Murans are thankfully up to the task and are carrying Ren to the tree and probably the best piece of art in the entire set, if I can say that without um, having seen all of the art in the set. Everybody loves this piece. The artist has had a massive response to it. Um, but, oh, apologies. Um, Elspeth is able to stagger Nyssa long enough for Chandra to come and assist Ren with the merging. Um, Ren has a kind of psychedelic experience with the Realm Breaker, um, trying to successfully meld with it um she and realm breaker now eight use the fires that are inside of run to grow and burn away the phyrexian corruption and reach through the multiverse where they are grasping for something something that was lost a long time ago but is still proven to be there and run is able to reach through to zalfir and pull it close and now Zalfir is on not a collision course, but a path towards Mirrodin slash New Phyrexia um, with a plan in mind. And um, Ren and Tefiri reunite for a quick and final moment, um, long enough to open the portal between the planes, and Zalfir, Zalfir begins to invade New Phyrexia. I did really love the fact that, like, it doesn't end with Phyrexia going to Zalfir. It ends with Zalfir coming to Phyrexia. Yeah. And I find it really charming that the invasion of new Phyrexia card is the card that shows Zalfir. People were calling that before the <laughs> yeah. story um, or before the cards had been previewed. It is the perfect plan. I mean, a lot of people were expecting Phyrexia to be overlaid onto Zalfir, or I guess that was at least within our server, <laughs> the the popular <laughs> hypothesis and being able to switch their location so that it's a one-for-one one trade, at least in a physical space sense, because there does need to be something still cast out into the void of the eternities um, and accessible to all. So why not make that the bad place <laughs> instead, of, it instead of a lost homeland? It's the most important um, tenet of alchemy, the law of equivalent exchange. 
and slapping your hands together before placing them on the ground. I think that's important, too. Mm, it depends what you're doing. It's not as essential <laughs> when you're making, like, human-dog hybrids. <gasps> yeah. You know, we, we don't see that happen. We don't know if he didn't slap the ground. He doesn't seem like a ground slapper to me. <laughs> but this is the end of Ren as we know her. It was a quick introduction comparatively to the rest of the characters on this cast, but um, a very mm. satisfying conclusion. Com- debuting in what, 2019 yeah. or 2020, and then only getting introduced to the story within the last year. Yeah, Rin's, Rin's first card appeared in uh, Modern Horizons in 2019, uh, but then she first had a story appearance in Tangles by Sean McGuire in... Uh, well, which kind of set up yeah. That was 2021, which kind of set up the entire plot <laughs> yeah. in a way. That was the intent. Yeah. The very sneaky tease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh there there was a, there's a lot of good stuff hidden throughout the last three years to set up the way things happen in the story. And it's uh kind of weird to me because I was on the uh Modern Horizons team, uh, so I was one of the people who helped bring Ren into the world. Uh and you know, I not too long ago, wrapped up my arena work writing uh, Ren and Run Breakers VL, and it's I've kind of been here at the beginning and the end of this character, and it's been a neat journey. She's very cool. Yeah. Um, but we gotta pick up with episode 9, The Old Sins of New Phyrexia. A good reminder that Phyrexia's been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Almost 10,000 years. Well, like 30 years, because Alpha came out in 1993. <laughs> That's when we got, uh, and I think we got Yawgmoth Priest in Legends, which would have been like shortly after that. We got jokes here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So the uh, this portal opening to Zalfir is kind of the signal of the turning of this uh, set. Um, as Ren kind of seizes control of Realm Breaker um, and all the fights on the various planes are still raging. Uh, the angels of Nuka Pena are like, hey, can you feel that? This is, we don't, we don't, can't describe this feeling, but this feels like a thing we've been waiting for. Uh, you know, centuries ago, they sacrificed themselves to create the halo to stop the Phyrexian invasion of Nukapena and succeeded. And they've been waiting to finish the job. Uh, and they look up into the sky at the portals created by Realmbreaker and they start shifting to other planes instead of New Phyrexia. Uh, and the angels start delivering halo and infusing, uh, entire other planes with Halo to aid fights elsewhere. Um, Giada leading the charge uh, is is just like whisked from plane to plane to plane, uh, including Theros and watching Kaya kill our completed Hellion, which is sick as shit. Uh, and, you know, the, the angelic protection giving Kaya the dexterity to slit a god's throat and not have a single drop of glistening oil touch her skin. Uh, big, big sweet action movie moment. Uh, back on New Phyrexia, the angel essence is protecting the Zalfiran armies as they fight. Um, this is this is kind of when the, the mechanical breakdown of what is happening as these worlds switch places. Um, Really, a, a lot of this is just action fighting. It's very cool. Um, the Zalfiran army is like hot off the presses, ready to fight Phyrexians. Just you know, three hundred sixty-two years after they thought they were going to do it the first time. Um, there's a moment where Vorinclex, uh pins to ferry down uh, and gets his head lopped off from behind as he kind of tunnel visions onto his planeswalker enemy there. Um, and then Jin Gataxius shows up in this like war machine with like breeding bats filled with like Phyrexian newts on it. 
and is all wahaha, now I can rule Phyrexia, and then gets his face smashed in with a gigantic hammer. <laughs> um, the uh, it's it's a really good story that highlights teamwork, which might be a theme of the set. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As uh, Zalfirans watch each other's backs and stuff, uh, Johnny shows up from Theros, uh, hoping to protect Norn and stabilize the fight. And uh, Teferi's like, "Wait, wait, wait! Capture that one alive!" As like a swarm of Zalfiran soldiers and knights descend upon him, and he gets uh, beaten and battered and wrapped in a net and dragged back to Zalfir. Um, and then the portal starts closing. And everyone's like, we have no time. We gotta retreat. And uh, Phyrexians fall, Zelfirans fall, Mirans fall, and they're almost all the way back. And then Nyssa shows up again. And she gives this grand speech about how they're not gonna escape and whatnot. And Elspeth just kind of swoops down behind her, takes the pommel of her sword and just bonks her in the back of the head and knocks her out. Um, <laughs> and she falls into Chandra's arms and uh, gets taken back to Zalfir. I'm not sure if this if this was a common sentiment, but I read through that section, saw uh-huh. that Elspeth had stabbed Nyssa through the head, and then reread it, and was like, oh, "Okay, this is just this is <laughs> not, happened to not me quite too. as bad." Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, was, possibly, I was like, "That's yeah." Possibly could use a little restructuring there because I was like. Oh, this is how it's gonna No. No, not at all. Well, it's like it's the the first time I read it, I wasn't really thinking, I guess, and I just kind of assumed she got stabbed through the head. And then I read it again, and it's like, oh no, it's actually very clear. Like Elspeth hits her with the pommel, which is the, you know, blunt end of her sword. And I was like, all right, okay. That's, you know, that makes sense. But I definitely okay. the first time I read it just kind of thought she was dead. Others in our live like, listen text chat are yeah. saying that they they thought so too. So we were all expecting. I guess I'm the only one who read it correctly the first time. <laughs> I mean, I was also reading it like kind of. I don't want to say like I, I did not rush through the stories when I read them the first time, but I was definitely like adrenaline going reading yeah. them to try and like, oh, what's you know what's happening, what's going on, and so like I read that and was like, oh, I mean, that's one way to kill Nissa, just have Elspeth do it. I guess. Um, but yeah, glad she just got knocked out. Um, while Teferi is retreating, he takes a moment and is like pretty sad because he looks over at Ren embedded in eight and uh, her most of her bark is gone. She is ashy and deteriorating. And uh, he's like, damn, this sucks to lose a friend, but also thank you, Ren. And then in her body, he sees a little acorn and he's like, oh, ho, ho, and plucks it off her corpse, puts it in his pocket and heads back. A reminder to always loot the corpses, even of your friends. But that that's just good. That's just good RPG practice, really. Um, and then there's Elishnorn. Headpiece broken, armor cracked, sinew stripped down to its barest parts. She's still angry. Uh, I believe she is dragging herself because her legs are broken and, like, snapped off and stuff. Yeah, I think the implication was that, like, some of her body was being repurposed by Jinkataxians for Exians too. Like, they were just, like, grabbing pieces of her. So she was she was not doing good. And we get this really nice Karn moment where he thinks a lot about his life and his role in all of this. And the shame of his ignorance um, and the responsibility he has to set things right and how much he really doesn't like doing acts of violence. Um, And then he looks at Norn and is like, she's probably not going to survive if we just leave. But this time he has to face his mistakes. He is scared of violence, but he's even more scared of Phyrexia surviving in him and not doing everything he could to stop it. And so he picks up Norn and is like, hey, you're my mistake. I created you, and I'm, I'm gonna destroy you. Um, and just disintegrates her. And is like, 
it is done, but also I'm going to have to live with this action of killing my own creation, of watching this world I built from nothing be slurped away into this phased out space where hopefully it stays forever. Uh, and, and we call this war trauma and Karn gets more of it because <laughs> he already had a lot. He sure uh, did. And the portal closes and all the survivors are back on Zalfir and that's the end of the war. But we have one more story. Yeah. This is a segue to someone else. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to, I, you know, so the last story is, is very much a denouement. This is a beautiful, uh, sort of ending to everything, but it also has its own little, its own little moments of, um, tension as well built into it. Um, so episode 10 is called the rhythms of life. Uh, it has this beautiful, beautiful motif through it, uh, throughout it about drumming, um, but I'll get to that in a minute. The first thing I do want to talk about is that it opens up with these like three little vignettes uh, looking at the same places we looked at in episode three. Uh, well, episodes three and four, when we sort of got to see all the invasion happening. Um, and so we go to Kamigawa and we see Nashi like goes home with Tamio, who's now like a living story um, and sort of like introduces her back to the family which is a really kind of weird thought, but yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Kind of like a, I'm home. Here's mom. She's a bunch of letters now. Um, we're going to figure it out. Um, we get to see Kaldheim where uh, the last time we saw it, all of like the various people of Kaldheim, all the different realms were fighting in the cosmos. And uh, Harold is waiting for Tyvar to reappear because he, you know, it's Tyvar. He jumped into the water to fight a giant Phyrexian sea serpent. Uh, and he's like counting and he's counting and he's worried. And then Tyvar bursts out of the water holding the head of the, the Phyrexian sea serpent and is like, aha, even you will have to boast about this one. And Harold's like, yeah, hell yeah, I am. And uh, it's a really sweet moment. Harold, they, they're brothers. They love each other. It's great. Um, but they're victorious. And then on Kaladesh, uh, Pia Nalar is alive. She survives the crash, but she's like surrounded on all sides by Phyrexians and like really thought for a second that Pia Nalar was just going to die here. Uh, but turns out all of the Phyrexians just kind of stop and uh, they they're like inert. And this is very familiar. If you remember the ending to the very first Phyrexian invasion story uh, back in the old days, because uh, all of the Phyrexians bodies are just kind of like. Some of them are falling apart. Some of them are just sort of standing there as if in a deep slumber. Um, their warships just sort of plummet to the ground uh, because the invasion is over. And it turns out uh, all of the Phyrexians kind of shut down. Um, this happened in, in Invasion, or excuse me, the ending of that uh, apocalypse at the end when uh, Yawgmoth is defeated. All of the Phyrexians just kind of stopped moving on Dominaria, and it happened again because turns out uh, Sahili has got some thoughts on that, and she thinks that uh, Elish Norn was basically acting as the like server controller for the glistening oil, and all of the servers were located on New Phyrexia, and now that Elish Norn was gone, and all of the servers got yeeted out into the nowhere land of the multiverse. Uh, none of the Phyrexians could contact anymore, and so they just kind of stopped working. So uh, yeah. this is a note to, you know, don't run everything server-side. You know, that's just not good practice. It's one of the boldest stances against live service games that we've seen in a while from Magic Story. So Yeah, and, and I think it's at this point where um, we want to take a small little aside to thank our sponsor of this episode, NornVPN. No, no, <laughs> NornVPN. <laughs> <laughs> we're not sponsored <laughs> no this is this is this is a very funny joke uh from my friend ken who made this joke to me in my dms earlier and was like i'm surprised i haven't seen anyone make this joke yet and i'm like i'm gonna say it on the podcast so this is me crediting ken coming up with the joke because <laughs> i laughed so hard yeah so um 
I mean, there's a lot to the story, but I do just want to talk like a little bit about that moment where the Frexian shut down and like it turns out Norn had kind of like hijacked a little bit of the glistening oil to make sure no one had dissent against her, which is very much believable in character. Uh, so that when she died and Phyrexia got poofed into ex- non-existence, like, I don't know, this all checks out to me. This makes a lot of sense. It follows the same story as the original invasion. I saw a lot of people who are like, I don't understand. That seems like a cop out. And I'm like, no, that seems to totally fit with what I would expect from a Phyrexian invasion plot. Um, anyways, uh, this story is actually not about all that. The story is about Teferi and he is uh, walking through Zalfir. He is home. This is where he grew up, but it feels still very different and sort of foreign to him. Um, he goes to find a place to plant the new Rin acorn uh, and decides that the best way to find it is to like sort of just go off vibes, you know, like he was like trying to like pick the perfect spot and then realize Rin would probably just tell him just kind of feel it out. So he finds a hill. He plants the acorn. He talks to it for a little while, um, but he has to go return to the healer's ward where uh, Malira, who took that gut shot, is like dying. Um, and Ajani and Nissa are there and they are just, like we said, shut down. Uh, connection to server lost, attempting to reconnect, uh, not working. And uh, there's a little bit of like discussion amongst the planeswalkers because this is like a couple of days later at this point. And mm-hmm. some of the planeswalkers are like, you need to give up on these like weird inert Phyrexian bodies and get rid of them because these are dangerous. And if they like start working again, they will probably kill a bunch of people. Uh, but Chandra does not want to give up on Nissa, And uh, I don't think anyone wants to give up on Ajani, really. He's just a good guy. Um, and so they they kind of argue it out. And uh, Malira hears this all and she goes, hey, I'm dying, uh, but I have one last plan and I want to tell you all about it. Uh, and then we cut to after the plan has been told and Koth is not happy with this idea. And he goes sort of out walking and runs into Elspeth and has this like, or it's Teferi first that he has a conversation with um, about like Zalfir and like what it's going to be like to live there in this whole plan. And then he like talks with Elspeth and is like, I don't like this idea. Uh, but at the end of the day, they decide we've, We've got to no, go I, with I, the plan. I mm-hmm. I need this section is so good because we didn't forget that Koth had been fighting this whole war to get Mirrodin back for his people. And now he's stuck on Zalfir and Mirrodin is stuck out of the timeline. He doesn't get his home back. And he is also here like, hey, you figured out a way to cure completion in this really convoluted magical Rube Goldberg machine and you're using it on Nissa and Ajani. How many of my people did we just consign to an eternity as Phyrexians outside of time that you could have saved? I've been fighting for them. And that's all so real and Koth is not happy. He mm-hmm. We defeat Phyrexia and Koth doesn't feel great about it. And that's so good to see. It's such good emotional depth in those conversations. He also feels like really weird because Elspeth isn't his friend really anymore because she's all angelic, big picture aloofness. Uh, Also, the idea of her like picking him up and flying him to a place (laughs) is really amusing. Um, And he is just... He's just so out of place. Um, and God, I just want to hear more about Koth after this. Yeah. I want more Koth story because now his story isn't, oh, we got to defeat Phyrexia finally. It's you've defeated Phyrexia and not accomplished any of your goals otherwise. And there's nothing you could do about it. What are you going to do, Koth? And that is a good, a good place tell the story. Well, I just shout out to Kay for these cough scenes because I really, really, really liked the... Dower isn't the exact word I want, but it's in the right neighborhood. These dour moments amongst the celebration. 
uh, the not forgetting that war is hell and has consequences and we have to live with them. Um, yeah. Anyway, get back to the plan. <laughs> yeah, so we can talk more about the the consequences because I think there's a lot to say. But uh, back to the plan and what's going to happen because Malira realizes uh, she has an idea um, she was there during original New Phyrexia block. She knows what's up with all infection stuff. Uh, and Karn knows what's up. And so Malira's plan, to explain it, is that she is going to inoculate these bodies against further infection. And we know that the glistening oil is inert. It is gone, essentially. It's not really working. So what she's going to do is essentially cleanse the bodies of infection. There will not be any more Phyrexian infection on them. Um, but she can't really cure their sparks. She can't bring them back as a person. But Karn can. So part of this whole like Phyrexianizing a planeswalkers thing uh, is that, and we see this so much throughout the story, um, these planeswalkers who are infected are not like diehard. I mean, they're like diehard Phyrexians. But there's like little glimpses and moments of their real personality because part of preserving the spark for them to planeswalk also meant that it preserved some essence of themselves. Uh, and so Karn knows that, hey, Vincer's spark was used to help him in the past. Vincer has had some knowledge about the nature of the spark. Uh, and so he uses that to cleanse the sparks themselves, to return those sparks those Ajani and Nissa back to who they were um, with a little help from Kaya, who, you know, is a ghost person and can like, she can do spark stuff. It makes sense. You know, it, sort of um, her, her, spe her yeah. spectral magic involves the soul, which is where the spark mm -hmm. resides. So she can kind of lift them up. Th this whole plan is really convoluted, technically correct applications of established things in the mechanics of all the little pieces uh, and I will assure y'all as a person who knows a lot about magic lore that this is all mechanically sound within the diegetic universe of magic and things that mm -hmm. have been established it is just, it sounds like bullshit um, but kudos to whoever figured out this plan because it's kind of neat and it's also like, this is not something that would have they would have thought about being able to do before this moment, because this is the moment when all of these characters are together. And also like when they're not under constant threat of Phyrexian, you know, attack. So like this could only have happened right now. Um, and so uh, also Teferi is there to help like slow down time to make this, like give them a little bit more time to do the process. Cause it takes time. Um, so they do it. They do the whole thing. Uh, Malira basically uses the very last bit of her life force to cleanse them. It exhausts her to death. She literally dies. Um, part of doing this process means that Karn uses up what he has of Vincer's spark. Uh, that was his only spark. Karn does not have his own. He only had Vincer's spark. So now Karn is left sparkless. He is no longer a planeswalker. Um, but... He does cure Ajani. Ajani's spark goes back perfectly fine, looks to be in good order. Um, Nissa's spark, there's something wrong with it. We don't know what. It sort of like looks like it's pockmarked. It's falling apart. It's kind of ashen. Um, it doesn't look very whole. Uh, but she gets it back, and she does wake up. She is alive. She's no longer Phyrexian, but there's something wrong. Um, and then we kind of end on this beautiful moment where Chandra and Nissa kiss. We got the girlfriend's kiss. It happened. Um, and Chandra is it just, it's very, very sweet. It's just such a sweet moment. Uh, and this is all what Malira died for. And Karn gave up his spark. And Teferi has spent all this time trying to return Zalfir. And it's here. And it's just all this that they fought for. It's all done. And it's it's really nice. Yeah. So no consequences. Nope. <laughs> Not no. a single one. Nobody died. Nobody got forever changed. You know, pretty much back to the original state of things. I am a. We are counting Luca as nobody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, he both was forever changed and died. 
so I'll run through my list of um, praises and grievances first, I guess. Um, Elspeth being unexpectedly changed in her heroic form to be, as Lorelai mentioned, more aloof, more angelic, more big picture, is the one of the most poetic changes in comparison to all these planeswalkers who got corrupted to the side of Phyrexia and now have to recover from that. Whereas the one hero in this story who, um, not the only hero who's changed, but the hero who has changed the most, is not exactly done so in a positive way as far as um, her allies are concerned. Like, um, like, well, Koth and Tefiri note, she's not exactly the person she was before, and that's a weird state for magic story to be in and for their interpersonal relationships with her. So, love that. That was a great thing that I wasn't exactly expecting. Like, not that I was expecting Elspeth Angel to be just Elspeth, but it's a fun detail. Um, Koth... I wish that after a decade of Koth's absence that there would have been a greater emphasis on him in the March of the Machine story. That's not to say that any of the emphasis and focus in March of the Machine story was misplaced. It's simply to say that it really could have been also Koth's story. Like, we're not trying to spread this thin into a War of the Spark Planeswalker situation where everybody gets their own point of view, but we have not seen Koth for over a decade at this point. When he finally returns, he's relegated to, at best, a supporting side character in um, Phyrexia All Will Be One, and in this story, he only gets his real moment to shine towards the end of the story. Um, I just wish we could have gotten more of Koth's journey here, considering it is his home, um, it's obviously a very important part of his fight, and while it's ob- like while it's clear that the implications for his continued life on Zalfir and the Mirans' continued existence on Zalfir is complex and something worth exploring, I still wish we could have gotten more of a more of the emotional roller coaster that I'm sure Koth had to deal with. Um, mm-hmm considering everybody was stepping into his home plane to try to save it and then to try to condemn it. Like, we're in a very dicey situation with him. Um, And the last one, kind of also in the I wish we had more story space, but for previous sets, I would have loved to see more selfish Elish Norn. Um, Not, like, Elish Norn's first canonical story appearance is... um, that Ashiok story. Like, she had been mentioned in the previous, the uh, Lost Confession story, but she didn't actually make an appearance. We didn't know exactly what her personality was like, and I would have liked more of El- or Elish Norn emphasizing that Phyrexia was her and making it clear to the readers prior to that finale story, because I feel like that is not exactly something that people could have anticipated as her downfall and her obvious failure in this set, but something that could have been better known prior to the resolution of the story because we kind of only got um, real moments with her at the very end of one and very beginning of mom and the very end of mom. So difficult situation. But overall, like this is the best story finale that Magic has had, in my opinion. Um, there we go. Yeah, I, I think so. Wait, hold on. No, no, yeah. Hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Even better than Gideon showing up with, like, Soren to beat Nicobolus? Uh, I mean, if we're... <laughs> if we're dying, I, I, I'm, I'm trying my hardest not to derail this into other, <laughs> other uh, Magic Legends-esque adjacent story finales. So, uh, we'll, we'll hold off there. Oh, that trailer is something. It is better than that. It's better than Chandra beating Ramaz on Kaldheim. It's better (laughs) than many things. I, um, yeah, I think a lot of the fail. So I think March of the Machine story is incredible. I really loved it. I really think it was, it was giving it 10 stories was perfect. Um, I mean, like could have always had more, but I do think that like 
10 was a great number. Um, I think that a lot of the, the failures in some ways, the complaints and criticisms of the story for mom are sort of um, to kind of take away from episode nine style. They're like the old sins of, of new magic story. You know, a lot of the problems that I personally think like cough, not really being addressed and not really getting a lot of time to spend with some of these characters to have sort of the impact of their loss or their change or corruption or their even their eventual redemption feel weighty um, comes from the fact that previous sets didn't have this much story time, you know? So, yeah. like, I think had uh, OB1 had more story time given to it where we could have spent more time with Koth his presence in mom would have not have felt like he was sort of sidelined a little bit because we would have had more. And so we would have been happier with it. Um, Cause I think like his purpose and his use in this story is really good. It's just, he doesn't, we want more of him yeah, and that should have been done earlier. And same thing with like Elish Norn, same thing with Jin Gataxius, like Jin Gataxius's characters explored a lot in a little, well, I don't want to say a lot, but is explored in Kamigawa, but again, that was a shorter story amount. And so we didn't get a lot of it. And so I think that's like probably the biggest thing is that like, you know, Shieldred gets off in like the first episode and we kind of just were like, all right. And she's she had like no story. She had a couple of moments in Dominari United. And so like it is a little disappointing to watch these characters who were kind of built up to be these big, important characters, but just never had the time to shine before. Um, and now it's like, all right, it's the finale. And like. We don't have time to let you shine. <laughs> you know, we we don't have it. Um, so we do have to kind of like, you know, just kill you and then move on. Um, so that, I think that's like where a lot of it boils down to. But I do think that like in terms of a story, yeah, this is the best magic has had um, as a, like a finale, but also like some of the best emotional moments in magic storytelling for, in my opinion, like period. I cried several times reading these stories. Um, they are really great, really beautiful. Um, I I love the fact that Angel Elspeth is weird. She's <laughs> yeah. weird. Like, she's distant, but like in a divine kind of way. Like, this is not the Elspeth we knew. This is a different Elspeth. Um, I was the one who was like saying that they're going to just overlays Alfier onto Mirrodin, but like straight up chucking Mirrodin out into the, the blind eternities and being like, all right, goodbye forever is like a really interesting way to handle this because like you said, like the Mirrodins are kind of like a float in like a weird world. That's not their own. And like Koth knows this, but like, they're going to adjust. They'll be welcomed into Zalfir, but it's still not their home. And I think that like really showing the consequences of this, of like, that's a whole bunch of people who now exist without their own home. Um, so yeah, it's just really, it's big and yeah, by God consequences, the multiverse has changed forever. Just flat out. This is not, there's no magic story that can go forward from this point that is not affected by this period. What I will say on that is, uh, in about a month, the beginning of May, I think it's literally the first and the second, but, I'm not 100% sure on those dates. Uh, we will get some stories for Martian Machine, The Aftermath, which we've known about for months now, by the way, uh, that the consequences of this war were going to be so large that we had to have a whole extra 50-card story-focused set with extra stories to talk about them. Uh, that happens in a couple weeks very excited for everyone to get there. Mostly, I just want to see what people think when we tack that part onto the end of the story, because technically, March of the Machine story is not finished yet. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about the fact that we have a whole episode to talk about eight side stories. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do. So I think we're going to have to, like, shortcut some of those. Um, but like, That's fine. Yeah. Uh, as for... God, I just keep thinking about like the fact that people are like, oh, they healed Ajani and Nissa, they're fine. And I'm like, Ajani can literally never go to Theros again. If he shows his face on Theros, if there's a single Theron alive, he will get killed. Like well, also like his boyfriend got turned into a Phyrexian too. So Yeah. We're talking about Bramaz. The canonically, not 
canonically dating, but like maybe mm, unclear. Um, I I have seen more of Johnny from us <laughs> shippers than a lot of other magic pairings. So mm. uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting place to be in, and obviously, um, I think me and Chris both largely agree with Beer and Bower's multiverse in review. Quick little um, reactions to the new Phyrexian story arc, but it is it's hard to just not yell more story like <laughs> like <laughs> obviously there's there's more yeah. there's obviously more story that um is coming in march of the machines but that has to do with a lot of the resolution and a lot of the things that we wanted not even clarified but just expanded on for greater emotional depth and impact were to do with the actual invasion itself so yeah I'm happy that that's the state we're in. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are aware of the Avengers Endgame style of criticism. Ugh. Yeah, I, I'll mention Ugh. it because it's obviously relevant. Um, I don't want to say that nobody's entitled to have their opinion, but <laughs> there are many people who only pipe up about Magic Story when it's um, something that they disagree with or think that they could write better. And I fully encourage those people to write fan fiction. Like, there is a um, smaller than other fandoms, but active fan fiction community. And I'm sure you could show them how it should have been written <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do such an excellent job with it. But for right now, this is the best place that Magic Story has been in quite a while. And it's refreshing to have had this kind of two year journey come to. Mm-hmm a pretty satisfying conclusion and one that has like a pretty fucking awesome card set to go with it. Oh yeah. So yeah, I hope everyone's been enjoying the March of the Machine previews these past couple of days. Totally it normal is, about oh, all these planes being name dropped. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, one really fun yeah. thing about this set that I think distinguishes it from War of the Spark in a lot of ways is that the card set of War of the Spark showed everything that we saw happen in the story, and that was it. Like, if it if it happened in the story, it was, like, on a card in War of the Spark, and, like, we saw it all. With this story, like, the card set itself is telling its own story, sort of, like, inner, like it's it's happening. Like, it is still the same thing, but it's, like, yeah. we don't get to see everything happening on other planes. Like, we don't really get to see all of the invasion, but the card set is showing it to us. We don't have a story that shows us fucking... I don't know, uh, Segovia, but the card set shows us Segovia. We know what happened there. Some Phyrexian did a big step and got bit on the ankles. Oh, Chris. <laughs> it's, it's called so a big good. steppy. Big, big steppy. steppy. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing I love about this is that like we're, the card set gets to tell the story too. Um, and speaking of fan fiction, like that's where a lot of that is going to be like great material is like, we don't know everything that happened on Ravnica during the invasion. We have a side story and we might have some cards showing stuff, but like there's so much story that could be told of what happened during that invasion. So like, feel free. Like, I think that's great. We know, we know Duretti squashed somebody. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to see more of those. Um, I think as Jay called them proof of life cards that people <laughs> are, being normal about dealing with this and um, that life goes on in the multiverse. So we ready for some final thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to give a lot of my thoughts about the story because I'm in a complicated ethical space where I do a lot of work (laughs) for wizards of the coast. Um, I guess, I guess I'll use my final thought to say, I really enjoyed the story. I thought Kay did a wonderful job. Um, People clearly liked getting twice as much story as we usually do. I hope this is a trend that continues. Hey, Wizards, I have my personal squabbles that I'm really not going to go into because they're not relevant to a lot. and They're pretty minor. Um, I'm also in like a different space where I've known how this story ends for a while now. Uh, you know, I, I did creative text for this set. So uh, we will see how Aftermath goes. Um, uh then head back to Eldraine for your reg- regularly scheduled magic programming, I guess. Um, 
the maybe. mandatory we'll Eldraine break after a, a major. I think it's, I think it's very funny. I think it's so funny that it's Eldraine again. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll use my final. Oh, a, a very small final thought to pick up something from our pre-show discussion. Uh, more on what a pre-show discussion is later. Uh, but uh, shout out to the recent Destiny patch, Quicksilver Storm, once again. 40% damage buff against red bars and PvE restored from the bug that prevented it from having it all season thus far. Gun is incredible. Yay, Destiny. Chris, final thoughts. Yay, Destiny. Uh, well, my final thought was going to be Destiny, but I feel like it always is. So instead, uh, <laughs> I started reading um, I started reading a book this past week uh, called The Tiger's Daughter. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the author, K. Arsenault Rivera. Um it's so good. It's also really gay. At my library, I you know I am like I just started reading it and I like tore through like eighty pages in basically like one sitting. Um, really beautiful writing, of course. A real good book. Recommend it if you liked. If you really enjoyed the March of the Machine writing, like even if you have some problems with like the story, whatever. If you just like the writing, definitely go seek it out. I think K. Um, Kay's just a really good author, and I'm really excited to you know maybe talk to her on the podcast soon. We'll see what happens next week. That would that would be really cool if we had a podcast episode where we interviewed Kay Arsenal Rivera, author of Magic Story for March of the Machine. That would rock, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. Um <laughs> my final thought is I spent a lot of time cataloging these stories on my site mtglore.com and um if you want to access all of magic story back to alpha you can go there and click on things you can even look up ergamon and read the two stories (laughs) that i think uh take place there and it's very exciting because we get all these obscure worlds and some of them have story from 29 years ago and some of them only have a plane chase card. But yeah, that's my exciting project lately. Cool. I guess that's the end of the episode. I think we do There's have to like, tell them about something. I have to tell them about something. What do you mean? Finish off the thing that I set up a couple minutes ago? You, you did tell, You did say moron about something. So She was just talking about me. She calls me a moron. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, or, Ergamon, deep cut, right? Wouldn't it be cool if you had an entire community of deep cut and deep cut enjoyers to talk about all the deep cuts and march of the machine with and you know learn about them if you don't know them, which is you know perfectly okay because there's a lot. We did great work here. Uh well you can, good news. Uh if you head to patreon.com slash the cast. Everyone who supports our show gets access to our Discord community, or Vorthoses from around the world. People just like you are talking about March of the Machine, enjoying the previews. Uh, I think this is maybe the most active our current story spoilers channel has been ever. (laughs) Ever. I would go play Destiny for an hour and come back to like 300 plus new messages. Uh, It has been rocking. It's been really fun. And it'll be totally normal for the next month prior to Aftermath. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Magic is... Magic is in a great place right now. And we love more people in the community. Um, And we'd like to thank all our patrons for keeping the show running. Because y'all are great. Uh, We also have uh, the, the Discord access is for anybody as low as a dollar a month. We do have a slightly higher tier um for three dollars a month for uh to be a live listener uh if you aren't doing anything thursday nights at 7 p.m eastern time that's when we record the show and if you're uh supporting us at our live listener tier you can hop in a voice call and be muted and listen to our show and you've listened to pre-show stuff where we're getting ready and chatting, uh, listen to the episode as we record, which effectively gets you the episode a number of days early, uh, and uh, sometimes hang out with us afterwards. Shout out to the time uh, that we interviewed um, 
Reinhardt Suarez uh, for Brothers War, and I spent two and a half hours after the recording talking with him. Uh, live listeners got to stick around for that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is my big selling point here. You get to listen to me be very social sometimes. Um, yeah, no, that's it. That's 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 just that's the big marketing thing. Kind of want to reprise the Nord VPN joke, but I think the second time <laughs> the last just isn't as good. Uh, so with that, I will say thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast. <laughs>